You're entering the chat connection. episode kind of threw a curveball at me and while I won't dive into specifics as to how um, out of respect for the family involved I will say that mental health is and needs to be an absolute priority Um, unfortunately you know this situation resulted in the loss of someone's life Um, and to be honest I'm still disturbed so I know if I'm disturbed the family is disturbed Um, especially in the times that we are in. So please check on your friends, um, family members. I mean, even when they say they are okay, because quite frankly, like you never know what people are experiencing behind closed doors. Um, Which leads me into today's episode, which although two completely unrelated situations, but could still result in a loss of life, um, simply because of the fact that you never know what is happening behind closed doors. I mean, it it just kind of led me to have an unfiltered uh, discussion with a brave survivor who is going to speak to her experience in an abusive relationship. Um, but before starting, I would just like to say this episode could be a trigger to some individuals who have been victims of abuse or still is in the abusive relationship, whether that be physically, uh, psychologically, sexually, emotionally. I mean, unfortunately, it can be a multitude of things. So please assess yourself prior to joining the conversation um, just to make sure that you're at least in a safe place, like literally and mentally, uh, just to participate in these discussions. Again, I just want to remind you that any advice given here should not be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed professional, whether that be calling 911 or seeking additional help once you've removed yourself from the situation. I know if you do need support right now or in the future, whether it is for yourself or someone else, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. And if you're unable to speak, you can also text Love Is all one word, to 22522. Again, that's love is 22522. To reach a trained advocate, which is available 24-7, 365 days uh, for those affected by domestic abuse, which is never okay, whether it's towards a man or a woman. Thank you again for joining the show. Uh, This isn't the easiest of topics, which is especially why I chose to talk about it today. Uh, So before we start, if you could kindly give us your name and um, any platforms that you would like for us to support and show you some love. Oh, yeah. No, thanks so much, Linda. Thanks for having me on uh, to share a little bit of my story. So uh, my name's Rebecca. So I have actually a podcast called Humans Now and Then. Um, So definitely go check that out. 
Uh, it's a lot of fun. And it also is kind of basically explores how our rapidly changing world impacts people now and in the future. So I like to inspire people to help shape the future that they envision. So check that out. Um, and I think also just given the topic today as well, um, I would highly encourage folks to support their local United Way agency mm. um, and who does which does a lot of great work in helping families that have been have experienced abuse in multiple ways. So um, I highly uh, advocate for that organization, no matter where you live. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rebecca, if you could let us know, like, how long has it been since you've been in an abusive relationship? Yeah, so luckily, I'm not currently in an abusive relationship, but was previously. So uh, this was um, my first marriage. So I've, I've since remarried. Uh, mm-hmm. But my first marriage, um, I got married when I was 28 years old. I um, I think I, you know, I struggled with a lot of depression, self-esteem issues and things at the time. Um, also grew up in a home with an alcoholic. I was not abused as a child, uh, but was bullied as a child, um, which probably factored into kind of how I let, you know, led me into, I suppose, a relationship where I was abused. But yeah, I, I met this guy at a bar um, and uh, he was... Um, I think maybe we might call it a textbook sociopath. <laughs> mm. So that's probably not funny when you laugh, but I could think back. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. he um, was very manipulative, um, was very good at lying. And so he was also very good at uh, getting people to believe that he was better than he was. And then also mm. uh, that he was a victim to life. And I think for a lot of women, and it wasn't just because of me and the fact that I struggled with my self-esteem at the time and, um, you know, experienced a different, you know, kind of challenges. Everyone has challenges, of course. And I'll have to say like my challenges were not as bad as many other people face and many other kids growing up you know, by far. But um, I can say that women who enter these relationships are often drawn in by a charismatic person who makes them feel special and important. And that was definitely my experience. And it usually isn't until uh, well into the relationship that you start to realize that something's amiss, something's wrong, and something's not healthy about this, and you become very fearful of leaving. So. And so did you first see um, any signs of like abuse, whether verbally, I guess, let me go back a little bit. Yeah. Like what, like, obviously there are many forms of abuse. So mm. what type of abuse relationship were you in? Sure. I think for, for me personally, it was primarily psychologically abusive, uh, sometimes physically abusive. Um, and I'll get into some examples of that. Um, mm. I lived in a lot of fear. Um, and I think that fear, especially from that psychological abuse that I endured, was was tough, was really hard and took years for me to recover from. Um, but I mean, I think at first, like when you enter these relationships, like I said, you've got someone who makes you feel special, yeah. who's very charismatic, who's a very good liar. Um, I'm someone who's not a very good liar at all. <laughs> my husband, my current husband, who's great, he he makes fun of me all the time. <laughs> that I fact that I cannot lie with, with a straight face, it's fine. It's probably a good, probably a good thing. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's a good character. Yeah. You, you can keep that one. That's right. That's right. So I own it. Um, but you know, I found I realized that something was amiss um, when he kicked my dog. And I know it sounds really stereotypical, but my dog um, 
at the time. Well, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it was. And so she was a little crazy, this dog. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I loved her for it. It was endearing to me. I got her as a puppy. And it was really right after I had a break-in in my apartment. I was young at the time, in my 20s. And someone tried to break into my apartment. I got a dog to protect myself. And uh, she was a Rottweiler mix, Rottweiler German Shepherd mix. Last last puppy of the litter at the pound. Um, mm-hmm. Cute as a button. A crazy as as I'll get out that dog, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she was also uh, fiercely loyal, um, and um, she probably sits the signs. Yeah, you know, yeah. In hindsight, in hindsight, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But he, you know, she could be obnoxious. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. And he got frustrated with her, and he started, you know, he kicked her, and I, I was shocked. I was yeah. just absolutely shocked, and. Uh, you know, was this during the dating phase or it was well, during, when you guys were married? This was during the dating phase. And it was at a point in time where he was spending a lot of time at my place in my apartment. And I, you know, at first, you know, again, I was shocked. And, you know, the first reaction is like, oh, my God, that's not OK. And I got after him and he apologized and he went through his, you know, his thing that, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't know any better. I'm, you know, I'm a victim in life. And, you know, I, I think there was a there was a pattern there. And I would say, okay, well, this don't ever, ever let it happen again. Uh, but the problem is, is more and more things started to happen, more indicators, right? And the more yeah. the more things like that happened, the more he started using threatening behavior or mm. made me feel like I was in danger if I spoke up or spoke out against what he was doing. Um, mm. And it, some of it was things that he directed towards other people. Um, and some of it was directed towards me. And I became... So yeah. in those threats, like, I know sometimes, like, victims typically get isolated from like previous mm. circles of friends and family was that the case for you absolutely absolutely yeah and he would um and like i said he was a good liar he mm. would make up stories he would um you know tell me re- all the reasons why uh, other people were wrong to be friends with or you know i you know bad to be around or he just didn't like them and i needed to choose yeah you know and it, it was just um you got to realize like you hear these stories from abuse victims, like a lot of people think like, oh my God, I wouldn't put up with that. But you have to realize this is like sprinkled over time. This isn't like, if it were like 24 hours a day, early stages of the relationship, it probably would be a different story, but um, it wasn't. And by the time you're fully committed, which was the time really we, you know, I got pregnant Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we got married. And um, at that point in time, I, you know, believe that was the right thing to do. I was still relatively young. Um, and I felt like I needed to carry through with this relationship I started. Um, and, uh, you know, I could, I could say it was a mistake and I don't know that it matters. Like I've learned not to regret the decisions I make because I don't think that's helpful. Instead, I just have to process, you know, what happened and then what do I learn from that, I guess. From, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in that work, I mean, obviously I know you said it wasn't just a 24 hour window, um, you know, if these were like verbally or um, psychologically, like would it only happen during a certain period of time? Like, like for example, like if he got drunk mm. or if he got mad at something, like was there a trigger? Yeah, it definitely was worse when he was drunk because in- inhibitions were down, um, especially when he was feeling disempowered. Mm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean in my relationship solely. It could have been anything that happened to him that day. It could have been something that happened to him in the past that triggered. Yeah. And he had a bad, like a bad childhood. 
really bad. Um, and I had to learn over time that that doesn't excuse him from his own behavior. Yep. It might be a reason that he was the way he was, but, um, you know, I used it, I think, as an excuse on his behalf, which wasn't right. And some of it was the narrative that he lived on, that he was a victim in life and uh, I should feel bad for him. Um, But I think it took to that point in time where I realized, and it was some of the the things that happened, like the physical, the the psychological abuse is more pervasive, right? I mean, physical abuse is obvious. Like he picked me up by the throat. He punched me in the face when I um, was holding my infant child. Mm. He cracked my phone over my head when I was trying to call for help once. Wow. You know, these are things that are really obvious and they're scary. But the things that I think kept me locked in more than anything were the things where he would threaten me if I were to leave or yeah. threaten my family if I were to leave. Mm. And those were the things that were the hardest uh, to to deal with, I think. And at that time, like, were you ever fearful for your child? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, so afraid. And I think it was just, um, it was really, I did hit a breaking point. Um, I knew I needed to get out because it mostly was because yeah. of my kids and they were young at the time. And I think it was really, they were very young. And I decided, okay, I can't, this isn't, this can't keep happening. So I made a contract with him that I think at the time I knew he was going to break. That if he were to, you know, do certain behaviors, you know, get drunk, punch holes in the wall, you know, physically attack me, threaten me, you know, all these different things that I made him check off boxes on a piece of paper and sign it. And I said, you have to understand that, you know, I'm going to leave if you do these things again. And he signed it. He never took it seriously. And I think some of it is just kind of like the stories he told himself. I mean, the fact that you had him sign a contract, <laughs> that's um, a big thing in itself. Because oh, I, I, I wouldn't imagine someone even taking that step to do that. Or, right. you know, for the abuser to uh, comply with even signing it. I know. It was, it was frightening. And the only reason I did it is because I felt like if I just leave up and left one day that he would come after me. Mm, at least this gave you a at least a reason and you know yeah yeah mm. i'll say this too because i think this is important to the story after you know he did eventually of course break the contract and i kicked him out it, i kicked him out literally it was 9 11 the it was 9 11 when i kicked him out 2001 wow. kicked <laughs> him out of the house strange strange right but it's a good thing to mm. re- remember i think i just had enough that day <laughs> anyway yeah but i kicked him yeah. out that day um uh he stalked me at work, mm. at home, looked through my windows. I had to have a restraining order against him. But one night he broke into my home with a gun wow. and woke me up out of bed in the middle of the night. And um, somehow I found the words to talk him down, um, knowing my kids were sleeping in the other room. Mm. And he left. I called the police. I was in shock. I didn't press charges because I was just, he was depressed mm. and suicidal. I gave him excuses again. But most of it was just me blocking the trauma of what just happened and not accepting the fact that my life was in danger in that moment. And during those times, like, did you involve your family as well or just the police at that time? At that time, it was really just the police. I mean, I think I had some level of shame. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously I I can talk about it now, but then I felt... And some of it was just kind of like this, the stories you hear. And I think the perceptions that you worry people have about abuse victims yeah. being, you know, weak or um, helpless, which isn't true. I mean, these are some of the strongest people who get out of abusive situations um, and some much worse than mine. 
But the reason I wanted to bring that up is it could, took me like six years for me to be able to admit that my life was in danger that night. Mm. And when I did, that was the thing that allowed me to find the path to healing, wow. to forgiveness. Yeah. And forgiveness is big. <laughs> That's the biggest thing you can do for yourself. Oh, um, yeah. I tell people like it's not always just for the other person, but oh, no. for you to be able to move on from that, you know, and yeah. heal and start the Abs- healing process. Absolutely. And I'm so glad to hear you advocate for that because it's the moment I'm getting a little teary. I'm going to try not to get too teary here, but <laughs> it was <laughs> the most impactful thing that I did in my life. And of course, yeah. I, I owed nothing to him at all, yeah. right? But forgiving him, understanding his own trauma and how that led to his behavior and misunderstanding about how to even really love people, because I don't think he ever really experienced a lot of love as a child. Yeah, You know, that's a thing that I had to be able to accept and let go. And it really was just kind of cutting cutting myself free of those kind of, you know, ropes and chains and everything that was really making me angry and stuck in life mm-hmm. to let it all free, let me and myself free and put it behind me and say, I can forgive. I don't need to let this be in my mind anymore. I don't need to look out yeah. the window anymore to see if he's out there. I don't need to worry about where he's at or what he's doing anymore. Now I'm free. Yeah. And that was the most impactful thing I've done for myself in my entire life. Yeah. And for your family. Oh, yeah. That, that's good. Yeah. And um, do you know where he is now? And um, like, how do the kids, you know, like, do they ask questions about where their dad is? Mm-mm. No, they um, they had to go visit with him for a while. And it was he was not um, not a good not surprised. He wasn't a good parent. So he eventually yeah. lost his parent parental rights. Yeah. Which was a happy. I was going to say, probably a, a breath of relief. Like, yeah. oh, thank goodness. So, yeah. I mean, I think the kids lived in, in their, their own fear. I mean, I don't think yeah. they were particularly in danger at that moment. I was certainly was. I mean, they, they I don't think it was a safe environment where they, when they were went to visit him and I didn't like sending them. I had to by court and almost once when I refused, I was almost held in contempt. <laughs> but, wow. but, wow. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I'm glad that they were able to free themselves away from that. It took them years too to feel safe, and mm. um, and I, you know, that was one of the best things that happened for them too, is just get them out of that situation, not have to go to a place they didn't feel safe. Yeah. And no, they don't. They don't think about him. They don't miss him. They don't ask about him. I have no idea where he's at, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I really am. <laughs> yeah, and. I know at first you mentioned that, you know, you only involved the, you know, police and stuff. So how did your family and friends take it when they heard the story? Yeah. I mean, I think it took a while for me to share it because I think, I mean, I, and part of it's just kind of like the way I think women are conditioned. Mm -hmm. And I said before, like there's some level of shame associated with uh, being an abuse victim, but also um, we don't want to sound like we're a victim either by talking our story or saying our story. And that's one reason why I feel I I want to share this a little bit because I want other people who are experiencing abuse to feel feel empowered to do it and and tell them and tell them the thing they need to hear, which is that they're not weak. They are strong and it's time for them to stand up and find a plan. Get a plan. I mean, this is one thing I want to say to anybody who's experiencing abuse, have an exit plan and get help with that exit plan and get support because that's for your own safety. But, um, I just want to, you know, I this these are strong people out there, strong women and and people dealing with abuse right now. So yeah, I definitely believe that. That's one of the things. Um, I'm so happy that you 
are able to even join uh, the conversation to speak to because um, I'm on like you you're saving a life right now. You know, you're saving others life who are listening to this that don't feel that they can speak about it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I mean, this is stuff that we really do need to talk about because yeah. it's happening. You know, oh, unfortunately, yeah. it happens more than, you know, um, that's one of the unfortunate things with the pandemic, too, is it yeah. increased the number of domestic abuse cases. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, if I can have one person, if one person feels empowered enough to stand up and put themselves in a safe situation and get get help and not be ashamed by that, mm-hmm. then I'll share my story all day long. Yeah. You know, I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. That makes me feel good as well. So, yeah, I'm glad that you got remarried and, yeah. you know, are in a happier, <laughs> healthier uh, place. Um, so how has your past experience shaped your new experiences in relationships? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think my, you know, my current marriage, I mean, it's just like most marriages. It's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh you know, obviously a marked improvement from my past, but, (laughs) um, you know, but yeah, I mean, definitely it shapes that. I mean, for so many years, I had to learn how to feel safe in a relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. That took time. Um, And I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about um, our brains and how our brains work, because I think it was important to the healing process. I'm one of those people that when I'm facing something difficult, I want to learn everything there is to know about it. Mm -hmm. I learn about, you know, what trauma does to the brain and realize that there are connections that were built in my brain because of my experience that will be there my entire life. And I might respond to situations of threat differently because of it. And I do, like I, you know, I do sometimes. That's what I was going to ask. I was like, were there any damages done during the past that kind of may have carried over, you know, to the present relationship or just in relationships that you have with others? Yeah. I think the primary thing is um, I have, I'm going to say anxiety. I don't even know if it's the right word for it. I am um, cautious. Mm. I'm cautious with a lot of relationships when they get to a certain point. Like I'm very, um, I think pretty outgoing in general with people. Um, I like to have good conversations with people. I generally trust trust people, which is took some time too. Yeah. But there does get to a point when I've known someone for a little bit of time, right before you really mm-hmm. become, you know, good friends or things. That's a hard time for me because that's a different level of trust. It's almost like you level up in trust, right? As long as yeah. you know people, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's like when I go past that first level of trust it's it takes some yeah it's hard Mm -hmm. it's hard for me (laughs) yeah yep and um I guess like I know you've mentioned that you had to do some work basically Mm. to get to where you are um could you share with us like what type of work that you had to do in order to get to where you are today right and some of it you know just to be completely honest was counseling yeah I went to no I'm a I'm a big advocate for counseling yeah I mean the fact that there's I mean I mean this is kind of my my own experience and I'm you know obviously you know probably you you sounds like you have you understand the value of of counseling every person on the face of this planet could benefit from counseling (laughs) <laughs> Everyone, no exceptions. Yes. Everybody can benefit. So yeah. that's why there should be zero stigma about mental health yeah. because it's just like you go to the doctor if you're feeling sick. Yeah. It's no different. And um, I, so what I did is I went to counseling. I went to assertiveness training. Mm. 
which was immensely helpful to me. Yeah. It was just, it was such a wake-up call. And it was so funny because I'd, I'd hear these things in, in my assertiveness training and I'd go to, and I would go tell my friends, I was so excited about these things. They'd look at me like I was from <laughs> Mars. Like, uh, like, this is the thing you're excited about today? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of one of those people though. I get excited about little things and people are like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But but this was, these were life-changing things that I think really put me on a better path. And I think I almost don't realize the impact of it until I like get do things like this and talk about it. It was transformational. Yeah. And now no, that's good. Yeah. And I think I'm not afraid of tra- you know ha- being transformational. I think it helps me have more empathy for other people too. And um I guess like even with the trust, like are there any flags, like red flags that you look for in relationships with people? just from your past experience or what you've learned in counseling in the sort of sessions? Yeah, I think one of the things is, is don't hold things in too long if mm. you're feeling something's off and be open and honest about what you're feeling and experiencing. Yeah. And um, a lot of people, especially women, um, hold it in too long. Yeah. And so everyone, you know, I, I, I kind of chuckle a little bit when I hear, you know, people say, well, women, you know, they're, you know, they're neurotic or they're like, part of me thinks like, I don't think that's it. I think it's really the women hold things in so long until they just like have had enough. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's in general. I, I said, we take in a lot. <laughs> we take it a like, lot. You just suppress it and try to get through it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's not health. That's not the healthiest of ways. It's to, not. Yeah. You, know? you got to have the courage, I think, to talk about it and feel like, be like, hey, this is something I need and it's okay. And then if you're on the other end of that, uh, I think that you, it's really good for all of us to think about how we can be a receptive listener yeah. and not a judgmental listener. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we're coming up to an end. Uh, if you could just let everyone know, like, why is it so important for you to share your story mm. with us? I think it's kind of like what we talked about before. Like, if I can share my story and mm-hmm. it gives one person the courage to change their circumstances and let them know that they can, then it's then it's well worth it. And I hope that yeah. for anyone experiencing abuse that um, that they have that you know that life that they see for themselves in the future and can reach their potential because um, I'm sure that I'm sure it's there. Sure, it's there. So yeah. I, I hope that makes a difference. Well, thank you, Rebecca, so much. Um, I love to hear the part that, you know, life after this, is, you know, it does happen, mm. like, for the better. Um, you know, life does go on. So yeah. don't feel that, that, you know, that's the end of it. Right. So thank you again for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, for my listeners, if you have thoughts on what you want discussed or featured, then please feel free to to send an email to thechatconnection at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow me on IG at thechatconnection, all one word. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to The Chat Connection on several podcast platforms. Stay blessed and forget the rest. Mwah, mwah. You gotta get both cheeks, so that's considered rude, okay? Cheers!